2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. We got one verse this morning that we're going to take a journey with today. But the one verse doesn't speak to the length of the sermon, I'm just saying. Just in case he was excited. Oh, he's got one verse. Praise the Lord. He's been preaching an hour the last two weeks. We're going to go two today. We're going to see how much stamina we got. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually really kidding. <laughs> I don't even think I could speak an hour today. Praise the Lord. No, but here, here's, here's what it says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says this. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be, not might be, not could be, not hopefully not, will be, the Bible says, will be persecuted. Father, help us to receive this today. And I pray not to just receive it, but be excited about it. That we get to lay our lives down for you. That we get to suffer for you. That that we get to crucify ourselves for you. I pray this message would breathe an excitement in our hearts this morning. That as it challenges us, it excites us to come after you in an even greater measure than we ever have before. I pray that. May this word find fertile soil this morning on our hearts, God. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen. Tell your neighbor before you're seated. Say, follow him. Say, follow him. Follow him. Well, good morning, CWC. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everybody today. Um, That's for sure. I hope you came prepared to receive a word because I came prepared to preach one. Um, If you couldn't tell by the opening. Amen. I I believe that that God gave me a word. Three of you are excited in the front row. Glory. I feel the Holy Ghost in that. No, but for real, I feel like God has a, has a timely word um, for, for what he's wanting to do right now. So let's prepare ourselves. Matter of fact, encourage your neighbor and look at him and say, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Because look, we're going to wrap up this series, Signs of the Times, today. We're going to wrap it up. We've been in it for, I think, eight weeks nine weeks, something like that, around there. Somebody help me. How many weeks I've been in it? Eight, nine, nine weeks, nine weeks. I should know that, but when you preach so many of them, sometimes it just kind of just keeps rolling over on you. But now we're going to finish this thing up today. And man, I I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed studying for it and, and, and preaching it. Uh, because I really believe that God has revealed himself in a new way through it. I, I really do. And, and whenever that happens, man, I love it. I love it. Because every time I meet him, I become, I become changed by him. When I see him in a new way, my life takes a different way with him. Man, I just want more of him. The Bible says, as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And, and man, the closer we get to him, 
the more we want to be like him and look like him and talk like him and, and act like him. And, and so, man, and look, and I believe this, that this is just the beginning of what God wants to do in his church. Yeah. It's just the beginning. Call me crazy, but, but I actually believe the Bible. I believe God's word. It's the only solid, firm truth that we have in a world full of disinformation. Like, it's the only source that we should be going to to get our sustenance. That's it. Not a news feed, not a newspaper, not a magazine, only the word of God. We find ourselves in magazines and newspapers and Facebook ads, man, we will be so tore up and beat up and tore up from the floor up if we do that. But man, if we get in his word, if we get in his word, man, and I'll tell you, I, I believe his word. See, see, the Bible says, in the last days, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh, on all flesh. And I believe this is the last days. I'm telling you, man, my goodness, I wake up every morning to another sign of the times. Literally, every time I wake up, it's like I'm living revelation. And I'm like, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come. Like, right, like that's my prayer. Come. But Lord, as you tarry, help me to look like you to get people for you in this kingdom in the kingdom because he's coming and he's coming for a bride one without spot blemish or wrinkle a people that are sold out solely for him not with one foot in and one foot out looking for worldly pleasures while trying to store up earthly or heavenly treasures it doesn't it doesn't work that way and so man he desires a people who are hungry hungry for righteousness and man i'm believing he's doing that in the church and and in the end times as we we continue to walk through this thing called life. Man, we gotta keep our eyes on him. Because man, I, I, I open my eyes and I see all the, the ungodliness, right? The godlessness taking place in the society that we live in. And man, it's a tragedy. <clears throat> it's a tragedy. Now, now look, if it was just the unbeliever being ungodly, I would get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that. They don't know Jesus. They've never met Jesus. And so it makes complete sense. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And so I get it. I see it. Man, I once was like that. I, man, I didn't know him. And so I acted that way. And so that makes sense to me. But man, when you see it from so-called believers, man, that's something different. That's something entirely different. There are people within the church supporting evil and not being able to recognize real evil. Can't even see it. And this is what I believe. I believe that people are being so consumed with an earthly activism that they are missing the activation of the Holy Ghost. That they're missing it. They're not catching it because they're so focused on all these earthly things that they've, they've got to help fix and help fight for. And I'm not discounting that praise God but man when we get so focused on that we miss the activation of the Holy Spirit we're in trouble see we've got to have the Holy Spirit and here's why we have to have him he is the one that leads us and guides us into all truth without him we can't recognize evil we can't even see it we're blinded by the enemy but because the the church a lot of people in the the churches of America today not being led by the Holy Spirit man they're not even probably realizing they're supporting evil and being blinded by the enemy, not being able to recognize the signs of the times and what the enemy is doing in this day. See, in the end times, evil will be exposed. Not only is it exposed, but it's exacerbated. 
That, that's, that's what we've learned, and this is what we've pointed out during this series, Signs of the Times, right? We've pointed it out throughout Scripture, seeing what the Word of God teaches us when it comes to the signs of the times. And, and because that's the truth, we, we need the Holy Spirit now more than, more than ever, to be filled by Him more now than ever. See, we have to be true followers of Jesus. True followers of Jesus. We have to be. Not a people who, who know about following Jesus, but a people who know him and they've decided to follow him. And there is a big difference between those two statements, church. There's a big difference between knowing of him and knowing him and following him. A big difference. The book of James says this in, in chapter two. It says, you believe that God is one. Well, good for you. Because even the demons believe God is one and shudder at his name. This is, this is what the word of God says. And, and, and what he's saying, James is trying to get this, this point across. Yeah, yeah you, you believe in Jesus, you know of Jesus. Well, well, perfect. Even evil recognizes him. Even the demons see him. And they fear him. But man, it's gotta be more than that for us. It has to be more than that. Prior to that text, James sets that up by saying this. Some of you would say, or some may say, either way, whatever version you're reading, some may say that I will show you my faith without my works. But I say, I will show you my faith by my works. See, it's a lost art in the church today. <clears throat> it's a lost art. What James is trying to get across is people will know you serve Jesus and follow Jesus by the way you live your life. The, the works you do will display him on every facet and every level of your life. Your life will either testify of him or testify against him. Jesus says this, you'll know the tree by its fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. That's, that's how you judge a tree. You, you know it by its fruit. You know it's an apple tree because an apple, a tree has apples on it. It's an apple tree. But if it doesn't have that. And so we can tell in our lives how we are living if we are bearing the fruit of righteousness of, of Christ. He's saying, I, you will know who serves me by the way they, they live for me. By how they talk, by how they walk, by how they act, by the things they believe and the things they support. This is how, this is how you'll know. I mean, our lives have to reflect the king in every way, every single day. And because evil is ramping up its efforts on the earth and in the earth, because it is, it is. If you can't see that, I'll crack you in the side of the head. Like, open up. Like, no, I'm just kidding. I'll lay Holy Ghost hands on you real hard. People start going down in the spirit, but pastor punching them in the head. No. Man, we gotta open our eyes and see the signs of the times, what's happening, what's happening. Evil is ramping itself up in this earth. So we as Christ followers have to ramp up our efforts to pursue him, to be hungry for him, to lay down our lives on behalf of him. Man, we gotta follow him. Come on, tell your neighbor again, say, follow him. Follow him. Now tell your other neighbor, say, follow him well. Follow him well. And that's the title of our message today. We're gonna to keep it real simple. Follow him well. We're gonna end the Signs of the Time series with follow him, follow him well.
And this is so important, church, because there is a way we must follow him. And he determines the way we follow him, not us. We don't get to determine the stakes of the game. We don't get to determine the rules. We don't get to determine the boundaries. We, We don't set those. He sets those, not us. And this is a lost message in the church today. It's a very lost message. When it should be the very main message that the church is preaching. And this is what the Lord has is, is been speaking to me constantly here over the past six, seven weeks about following him and following him well, being a true, true disciple of his. Too often, right, we, we preach a, a gospel message that isn't actually the gospel message. We, we take portions of it and build a doctrine off of it or a theology off of it, missing the entirety of it. Preachers have become really good at this. And it's really, really dangerous. Matter of fact, Paul recognizes this and he tells Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter four. He says, listen to me. People are not wanna, they won't wanna hear the truth. They wanna give themselves over to their own lust of their flesh. And they don't give them what their itching ears wanna hear. Instead, preach sound doctrine. Preach, lay your life down for Christ. But this is a lost message. Now people wanna preach a prosperity gospel. They wanna preach a name it, claim it gospel. They wanna preach a a feel good gospel. This is is what they're doing. And, and, And listen to me, it's wild, right? And this is how people get all screwed up because there are portions of the text in the word of God. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, amen. And I believe it but it's not the entire message. And I know this, he multiplies what we put in his hands. I've watched him do it so many times in my life, it's crazy. I don't deserve any of it, but he does it because he's good. And I know that a lot of you have experienced the same things. I've been able to share with you and and live with you and watch how God has multiplied things back to you. And it's incredible because this is what he does. He loves to give good and perfect gift, but this isn't the full message of the gospel. It's not it. Man, if we are are preaching a gospel, a prosperity message, then people come to Jesus wanting to serve Jesus because what they can get from Jesus. And that is so, so not the message of the gospel. It's so backwards. It's missing the point of it. People come say, man, I wanna serve him because I need a car, I need a house. Man, I need food. Yeah, I, I want a bankroll. I want rubber band banks in my pocket, right? Like. This is what I want. I need that cheddar, right? But this is, this is not the gospel. This is not the cheddar. What are you, a mouse? <laughs> What's wrong with you? But this is, this, is, this is not the gospel. Prosperity is not the gospel. Anything put in front of the gospel is not the gospel. You don't have to put anything in front of it. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it said. That's what the Bible refers to. It's the gospel. But man, us preaching this prosperity message to people. People follow Jesus then to get something from Jesus. But it's interesting because Jesus says this. He says this. He says, birds of the air have nests. Foxes have holes. But the son of man don't even have a place to lay his head. But we want to preach as if we come to Jesus and he gives us all that we want. 
and the comforts of this life. This is, this is the way we preach it, and this is what people come, and this is what they're expecting, and this is what they're excited for, and they're being lied to. See, Jesus there is saying this, don't, don't follow me because you think you're gonna get something from me. Don't do that. Don't do that. Come after me because you have, you have realized the goodness in me and that you wanna be like me. That's, that's why you come after me. And listen to me, we, we can't preach and name it, claim it either. We, we can't preach that message. Because if we do that, people then come to Jesus thinking they want the power of Jesus and they wanna be like Jesus. Now listen, we know this, that life and death is in the power of the tongue, that we speak things as though they are. We believe God for healing. We, we speak that with the confidence that the God we serve will take care of that, but that's not name it, claim it. Name it, claim it is becoming like God. Speaking as if I can create something by what I say, which is not true. It's just not true. Look, I will continue to pray for healings and believe for healings. Any of you ever had me pray for you? I believe it, I pray it, and I pray it with confidence. I pray for breakthrough with confidence because the Bible says I can approach the throne of mercy with confidence because he gave his life for me. And because Jesus died for me, I believe he wants to heal you and heal me and, and cause breakthrough in our lives. But I don't pray it as if because I'm, I'm speaking it, it's gonna happen, but rather I pray it because I know, I know Jesus died and he rose again for us to receive it. This is why I speak it, but it's not name it, claim it, man. We, do, we don't follow him because of what he can do for us. We follow him because of what he's already done for us. If he don't do another thing in your life, he did enough already at the cross of Calvary. Hear me. You don't have to do another thing. And he's already done enough. We follow him because of what he's done and because of what he wants to do in us, not for us, in us. Think about the feeding of the 5,000 for a moment, right? The feeding of the 5,000, I love that story. I love it. Jesus, he multiplies two, two little fish and five, almost, the Bible says almost five loaves of bread. It was almost, that little boy probably took a bite out of it or something and I, I'm just saying, I know Habishai would. He definitely took a bite out of it. Like that's mine and I'm first, you know what I mean? He got that Ricky Bobby anointing. If you ain't first, you laugh. And <laughs> takes after his mom. I'm just telling you. Just telling you. But you got the feeding of the 5,000. Praise the Lord. I'm somewhere in here. ADD today. ADD in full effect. But <clears throat> Jesus multiplies the, the fish and the loaves for over 5,000 people. The Bible says 5,000 men. They actually, some theologians think it was over 12,000 people there with, with wives and, and children and all those different things. But he multiplies all this for them and he meets their need, right? He meets it according to his riches and glory. And he does it and he heals all types of people. The Bible says that he heals everyone who came to him. Incredible. Well, after it's over, he sends them on his way. He takes off across the sea of Galilee. Gets to the other side to find the people followed him there. And, and this is what he says. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You came over here seeking a gift from me. But I tell you this, it's not about what I can give you. It's about what I do in you. And if you do not eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you're not worthy to follow me. And what he's saying is, if you're not willing to crucify yourself in order to gain Christ, you're not worthy to come after me. And look, man, 
If we preach a feel-good message, a feel-good gospel, then people think, man, I'm gonna come to Jesus and feel good all the time. Mm. You've been following the Lord any amount of time. You know better than that. <clears throat> you know better than that, but this is what people do. They, they, they come and they hear this feel-good message that, man, if you come to Jesus, you know, you're gonna be happy and all things, all your troubles will, will go away. It's just not true. See, the problem with the feel-good message is, again, it's all about us. It's all about us. But the gospel is not meant to just be a feel-good message. And if we preach it that way, people will never be able to deal with persecution. And indeed, if you desire to live a godly life in Christ, you will be persecuted. And see, this is really bad because I'm telling you, the gospel is more about persecution than it is about feeling good. It really is. The gospel is more about dying to yourself, picking up our cross and following him every single day, denying ourselves. Man, this is, this is the gospel message. It's not just a feel-good message. It's a create-good message. I was thinking about this. It's not just a feel-good message. It's a create-good message. Because he wants to create good in something that is once bad and corrupt and broken. This is what he desires to do. This is what he desires to do. But because we've made it a feel-good message, I think, I think actually the rich young ruler thought it was a feel-good message. I think he did. Because he came running to Jesus and he must have heard the stories about Jesus. You don't go run into him unless you heard the stories of him, praise God. But he goes running to Christ, and when he catches up to him, he says to, to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looks at him and says, well, you know, honor your father and mother, love the Lord your God with all your heart, da, 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 da. and he goes through these things. And, and the rich young ruler says, I've done all those things. I've done them all. He was feeling pretty good about himself, I promise you that. Like, I did it all, puffing out his chest a little bit, getting brody. But the Lord said, well, yeah, but you lack one thing. Go and sell everything you have. Give up everything you hold dear. All the things that you've accumulated in this life. You go give it all up. Then you can come and follow me. See, it's, it's not a feel-good message to say you gotta give it all up. It's cool if I just gotta give up some of it. Like, that's cool. But to give it all, Lord... I've worked hard for these credentials. I've worked hard for the things I've accumulated. I've, I've worked hard for this. See, it's not a, a feel-good message. It's a, it's a create-good message. He wants to create in us. The Bible says he wants to create in us a clean spirit. Create. Those who are in Christ are a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. Those who are in Christ, he wants to create all over again. Amen. He wants to recreate them. That they're no longer the same that they once were. That they're completely changed by him. Transformed by him. You know, there's been several times where I've had the great opportunity to walk with people through hard times and struggling with issues in their lives. And, and I, I love to do it, man. I've had plenty of people do that for me. And and it's incredible to, to have that happen. But, but on several different occasions, I've, I've had people literally you know, come to me, hey, this is what's going on. 
And so I start laying out godly principles and, and truth, not my opinion, what, what the word of God says, because there's power in the word of God. And so I'll give them boundaries based off of the word of God and what to do. And, and man, they don't want to hear that. And, and, and they say this, they say, well, you know, you just need to accept who I am. People just need to, to accept me for who I am. And, and God should accept me for, for, for who I am. And can I tell you, I really want to just tell them that's the stupidest statement I've ever heard in my life. But I can't do that. I'm a pastor. So like, I hold my tongue. The Holy Spirit prevails. But, but I know right then it actually saddens my heart. It breaks my heart because I'm like, oh man, they've, they've never met him. They, they don't know Jesus. They may have heard of him, but they don't, they don't know him. Because if they knew him, they would say, Jesus, help me. Teach me. Help me to receive this change that you want to bring my way. The gospel is a create good message. And sometimes to create good, it doesn't feel good whatsoever. Sometimes it hurts. It takes people who were once dead and makes them alive. It takes a person who once was a sinner and now they are a saint. It takes a person who was an enemy of God and makes them a friend of God. And sometimes that process hurts. The gospel is literally meant to completely transform us to the point where people don't even recognize who we are. They don't even recognize us, recognize us anymore. I'm telling you, I don't know how many times, man, I go back home, right? And, I'm, and, I, and I run into people that I went to high school with. Praise the Lord. It was just a few years ago, though, by the way. It's not that they don't recognize me because I look old. I'm just saying. No, praise the Lord. But I go back and, and they literally are like, Keith Deal, what? No, wait a minute. That kid, there's no way. Because that dude was, was somebody completely different than you. And, and can I be really honest? It's literally the best compliment somebody can give me. Yeah. I'm like, praise the Lord. Yeah. I'm not what I once was, but praise God. Praise God, he's not done with me yet, right? And again, obviously not that I'm close to perfection. You guys have walked with me through this life long enough. <laughs> not even close, but, but God is transforming me. He's changing me. He's, he's pruning me. He's cutting things off of me. And, and man, I love it. And I love it. He's creating even more good within me than I could ever achieve on my own. See, God has to do this in us. He has to do it in us because we have to know we need more of him and less of us. That has to be our prayer. That has to be our longing and our desire. See, we need him to create in us a clean spirit. We have to have it. We need him to conform us into the image and likeness of Christ. Because the only ones that will spend eternal life with Christ are the ones that look like Christ. That's, that's the Bible. That's the word of God. The one with a clean spirit. The Bible said the Lord delights himself in. And I don't know about anyone else, but man, it feels pretty good when the Lord's delighting himself in me. Not about me feeling good, but it does feel good. It does. And so every day, man, we need to be seeking him and praying that he would change us and completely renew us by the Holy Ghost. And it sure does feel good to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because this gives us a hope that is not of this world. 
It's a hope not based off of what's happening around us in our circumstances. If you don't have that right now, praise the Lord, I feel so bad for you. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of things that's upset the natural order of life as we knew it, right? Like, and man, if you don't have the hope of glory, Christ, that's troubling. It's troubling. See, as we follow Jesus, he leads us to know more of him. That's what, that's what, he's, that's what he's doing in us. And it should cause us to die to ourselves even more every time we come to him. Again, the gospel message is not a feel-good message. It's a create-good message. And creating good within a people who are bad, <laughs> man, can really hurt. We're called to live a life free from sin. That's what we're called to. That's why Jesus died for us, to live free from sin. Through him, we live, we move, and we have our being. See, Jesus didn't die for us just to make us a better version of ourselves. That, that, that's a really messed up theology. To think that God gave his life so that I could just be a better me. He gave his life up so I can look like him. That's why he did it. Not to just make me a little bit more comfortable on this earth while I'm here. Although I like my comfortabilities. I'm not saying I don't. I'd be lying if I said that. <clears throat> but he didn't do that for me to live however, however I felt like living and whatever I wanted to do. He didn't die so that we could remain the same. He didn't do that. He died so that we would live for him. The gospel is solely about us living for him. That's what it's about. Little to do with us in the context of our desires and our wants. And that. No, no, no. It's about him putting that within us to live for him. We've got to learn to follow him and follow him well not doing whatever we feel like doing in the moments we feel like doing it. You know, I heard this stat the other day, heard this stat, and it was really troubling to me. Over 75% of new Christians, new believers, don't actually know the real gospel. They don't know it. They have no idea. They've never heard you gotta die to yourself. They've never, they've never heard you gotta be holy as he is holy. They've, they've never heard that. Man, how bad is that? And so they're walking through life blinded, not even knowing the true gospel. Because if that's the case, then I come to Jesus because he makes me more happy, because he gives me what I want, because he gives me my best life now. This is why I come to him, but that's, that's not at all what it is. That's completely false. That's completely false. It isn't about us becoming more good. You know, the Bible says we are inherently bad. That's literally what it says. We, we are bad. This is why we needed a savior. Thank you, Jesus. This is why we are sinners in, in need of a savior because we are inherently bad. Prideful, corrupt, the Bible says, right? That our hearts are deceitful and wicked. Above all else, who should know it? Hateful and prideful people. And so Jesus gave his life so we can no longer have to be held captive to that life and be a selfish, selfish people and and because he doesn't desire for us to to live that way man he gave himself up for us because we aren't good and will never be good enough without christ in us without us laying down our entire lives in order to to pursue him 
See, when we preach that type of a message, a feel-good message, what it makes it like is we come to Jesus with a wish list, right? When we come to him, we get this big wish list. He's Santa Claus, he's the genie in the bottle, whatever, whatever term you wanna use. But see, we gotta get back to the true gospel message. Stop making it about us. Because if we make it about us, hear me, it doesn't have the power to change us. It doesn't have the power to change us. Another crazy stat that I read, another crazy stat, over 20% of self-identified Christians, right? I use the word loosely, Christians, believe in what they call a higher power, but not the God of the Bible. They believe in what they call a higher power, but, but not the God of the Bible. This is a major problem, <laughs> a major problem. Because if we don't believe in the God of the Bible, then we won't be welcomed into the God of the Bible's kingdom. It's just that simple. We've gotta believe in God the way God says to believe in him. Not the way that we could logically wrap our mind around it, although that would be nice. But the depths of his understanding, no man can fathom. No man can fathom it. But see, Jesus says this, he says in John chapter eight, verse 31. If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. Then you will truly follow me and follow me, me well. And I find it interesting because he uses the word, if you abide in my word, and he says, then you will be truly my disciples, which makes room for, there are people who think they are his disciples, but they're not. They think they are, but they're, but they're not. Instead, they have deceived themselves. James, James says this in the book of James. He says, man, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Because you'll deceive yourself if you, if you live that way. When we become true believers, we, we abide in this. We continue in this. The Bible says we write it on the tablets of our heart, that we meditate on his word day and night so that life will go well with us, so that we know him. We, we live according to his word, not just reading it, but living according to it. See, we've gotta know the true gospel message, church, if we desire to truly follow him and follow him well. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter three, he started out talking about the signs of the times and we went through all those already in this series. We went through them, what it looks like as men become lovers of themselves, forsaking the godliness and denying the power thereof and, and all those things that he listed above that. And he gets to this portion of the text in verse 12. He says, indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ will be persecuted. Jesus says, in this life, you will face trials of, of many kinds. He says, because the world hated me, it will also hate you. In Matthew chapter five, he said, blessed are they who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says many are called, but only a few are chosen. Many are called. See, Jesus did die for the sins of the many. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, he died for many, but there's only a few that will choose to die for him. There's only a few that will choose to die for him. Jesus warns us in Matthew 26. This is what he warns us on in Matthew 24. 24 and 26, he says, man, many will depart from the faith. In those times, many will depart from the faith because they're not willing to to die to themselves. We have to be willing to give up our wants, our desires, our comforts in order to know him better. The Bible says we have to cast aside all the sin that so easily clings to our lives. It says we must master the sin that crouches at our doors so that we can follow him and follow him well. The gospel is the good news. That's what it means, the good news. And it's the good news because we can't do this on our own. Right, the Bible says it's not by power nor by might, but it's by my spirit, declares the Lord. See, the good news of the the part is, is when we come to Jesus willing to lay it at his feet, he empowers us to live for him. That's what grace does, but we've shifted grace to it just allows us to live however we want instead of empowering us to live the way he wants us to live. And we've all been caught in those times, I'm sure, different times in our life. But he will never forsake us, never give up on us, never stop pursuing us, never stop loving us. The problem's never been God loving us. It's always been us loving him. That's the problem. That's where the issue lies. God loves us. Do we love him enough to give our lives fully to him? And there are no half measures in the kingdom. It's all or nothing. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I don't know. I I just don't want to be held to the account that I just gave you what you itching ears want to hear. Praise the Lord. Like we got to know, man, this gospel message is, it's tough because it requires us to die in order for him to live and reign supreme in our lives. And that's what it takes to inherit eternal life. There is no other way. There is no other way. There's no half truths, no half measures. It's all him or nothing. And so look today, man, I'm going to open up the altars. If if you guys want to come pray, worship team's going to, worship just come if you need to to lay stuff at his feet or just to ask him to strengthen you because it's going to have to be by his spirit that we live this way there's no other way to do it like we can't do it without we can't white knuckle it we can't say well today i decide to die more to myself like this it's not going to happen it's not going to happen the bible says that that he will cause us to walk upright in his statutes amen He's not trying to just make us feel good. He's trying to create good.